0: Hello, and welcome to Knoll Country for Old Men. We're a podcast about board games, tabletop role playing games, and tabletop war games. And today, we're talking about games that haven't been made but should be. Or games that have been made and should be remade. Do it again,
1: but good this time.
0: Basically, it's a list of settings and universes that could really use a war game or TTRPG and don't have an official one uh in some cases we're gonna say talk about ones that have fan rpgs but those don't count
1: we need we're talking official product here
0: they're good but we want official products and if the official product is worse than the fan product then then we can have a conversation (laughs) about that and how that happens and what the fuck got a problem So yeah, as normal, I'm your host, Troy. My pronouns are he, him, and I'm joined by my top imagination consultant.
1: Oh man, that's uh, some big shoes to fill. My name's Ed, my pronouns are they and them, and apparently today I'm the head of imagination, but my imagination is very lacking.
0: Well, we'll get to it. Um, So first of all... We have a segment on this podcast called The Weekend Hobby, where we talk about what we did the last Weekend Hobby. Uh, Gotta do that before we jump into the settings that we want to talk about. Uh, What have I done the last Weekend Hobby? Well, I had a Starfinder game. Uh, Find the stars. We found the planet that we were going to be on for the game. We landed, because we're colonizing it. Um,
1: Oh, colonizing.
0: There are no sentient species on the planet, so... Eh, colonizing. Like, that, the, that's a very specific thing. There are no sentient species. Uh, we stepped out of the spaceship and did find a bunch of bugs.
1: Don't hurt the bugs. We're already, we're already in the middle of an insect uh, insect apocalypse. Leave them alone.
0: These were giant bugs, the size of dogs. Um, and they attacked they, our
1: spaceship. Were they the, the goodest of boys?
0: No, they were the deadest of boys because I punched them to death. Boo. And I mean the other members of the party also shot at them, but I, I walked out and just like started punching them to death and the dungeon master and the game master was like, Whoa, you're doing a lot of damage for a level one. And I'm like, really? This doesn't seem like that much. Punch, kill bug, punch, kill bug. Um cause a fiery explosion to kill everything around me. Uh my my Solarian being the frontline party tank is working quite nicely so far.
1: Y'all really just showed up like a wrecking ball.
0: Yes. Uh, then we, you know, talked to the colonists and the people around us and figured out, um, you know, they sort of scoped out the area. My character took some selfies because he's got to promote himself. Um, that's his whole deal is he wants to be famous. Um, and so he's trying to use social media to do it. It's uh, on posting on space Instagram constantly. Space um, spacogram, yes. Then, like, as it, you know, the end of the first day, it started getting dark. Uh, Someone's like, "Oh my god, we got problems! There's something going on at one of the storage facilities, and something going on at the power plant." And I'm like, "Well, I will go to the storage facility because I don't do technology, and you two magicy types can go to the power plant because that's one of you does technology and one of you does magic. So yeah, I just solve it, and we mm-hmm. split the party." And the game master was like, wait, no, you're only supposed to solve one of these problems. And I'm like, we're splitting the party.
1: Nope. Don't do it.
0: So I went to the storage thing and found more bugs. That I proceeded to. Were they in the basement? They were like eating the, they weren't in the basement because the storage thing had landed with us. It was like a giant cargo container. Um, And they were starting to eat like the support beams inside of it. So I punched them.
1: Um, Punching is apparently the solution to every problem.
0: For my character, yes. Uh, but there was also a fairy creature who apparently had attracted these bugs and was also a stowaway, not native to this planet, who I basically was like, look, I can either punch you to death or you can like come with me as a prisoner and I'm going to interrogate you.
1: It's kind of a dick move.
0: Well, I mean, he was summoning bugs that were eating our buildings, so, um that, that was my options for him. Like also he cast a fear spell at me and like freaked me out for a minute. Oh boy. So I was not, not real happy about that. Uh that being said, we we did I did drag him back to the base and uh eventually he agreed to like we basically got him to live at the edge of the colony and keep the bugs from attacking us. So I, I, I went full-on, like, let's negotiate something here. So less of a dick move than it sounds.
1: The planet's first exterminator.
0: Well, I mean, it, it's not like that. He kind of can summon and control bugs. So Got it. this is more of him agreeing to live at the edge of town and keep the bugs from coming in. So so this is more of a uh, like controlled situation than anything. Uh, The rest of the party found some sort of electric vine thing that was growing over the power plant and cut it to pieces with Mm, magic and science. Electric vines. Yes. Uh, One of them did suggest, like, seeing if the leaves were edible and everyone was just like, no, no. It's a plant that produces electricity.
1: If you can keep it to under 100 volts, you'll probably be fine
0: cast lightning bolt at people.
1: Here's a here's a question for wizards. What is the uh, the RMS value of a lightning bolt spell? That's what I want to know.
0: I believe it's like 68 damage, so uh That's certainly enough to kill a commoner. So um so most likely more than 100 volts. Yes. That would seem likely. Um and I think that was pretty much it. Oh, my uh, Wednesday Eberron group entered a maze and fought a beholder. Uh, they managed to kill it, although it did some substantial damage between it and its cultist follower types and the bone nagas that it had guarding its base. Um, it kept doing stuff where it would like pop up over walls and zap them with I-beams and then duck back down, but they had somebody doing the same thing with a crazy overpowered bow. And so they did a lot more damage. Good times. Um, especially cause they had hasted the character. <laughs> Do it fast. Do it faster. Yes, just firing too many arrows. Too many arrows. With uh, too many abilities tacked on. Yeah. It was kind of brutal. Um, but it does also give me license to up the danger level of their of the final boss for the game. So, Huzzah. I hope they're enjoying that. And, <laughs> Enjoy uh, it while it lasts. That was pretty much my weekend hobby. Um, didn't really paint anything. Uh, Ed, I believe there was also one other thing that happened, and you can talk about that.
1: Uh, Oh yeah, that's right. We we played some uh, more, not Starfinder,
0: Spelljammer. Spelljammer.
1: It has uh, it has two syllables and is very similar in name. Uh, what did we do? Uh,
0: Nautiloid.
1: Oh yeah, we we found the Nautiloid. Uh, I knew the guy was lying right from the start that he was some kind of not human thing, but for whatever reason, we were enticed to come by and inspect his crew uh, to see that they were, in fact, dead. And then we got attacked by uh, some kind of mind worm thing.
0: Yeah, I don't even know what those were.
1: Yeah, it it, that seems like it was forever ago. I had completely forgotten that we'd even played... Yeah, but we found some of those. We found
0: gap. we found the corpse of the mind flayer who had been piloting the ship. Um we, we searched some of the rooms and found just junk. Um we we got into a very spirited discussion about how the hell a Maganel works oh, on a yeah. spell jamming ship. Because it without arcs any gravity. And when it leaves the gravitational bubble it would just go go straight. That how? It's physics. How?
1: Another question for wizards. We just need to petition them to answer all of our questions.
0: If we start petitioning them to answer Spelljammer questions, they'll never, will never stop. They, they, then, they have no answers for that.
1: Maybe if we get annoying enough, they'll say, if we publish a revised edition, will you stop? And then we'll say yes.
0: And then they won't publish anything.
1: Then we'll just continue being annoying.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's going to work. Lame. Anything else in your weekend hobby?
1: Uh, I tried to teach myself how to play Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, got impatient and haven't gone back to it since. Uh, maybe another day I'll try that. Uh, working on a sculpting project in the... Realm of tabletop miniatures as like an art therapy project around the concept of transness. So that's like hobby adjacent. Uh, Yeah, that's really about it. Been super busy lately. Lots of work. A lot of work to be done around the house. So haven't had much time or energy for really anything super tabletop hobby related. All
0: right. So let's get into it. Uh, what what settings do we think need new games, either RPG or war game or whatever? What universes deserve a game? That has one. It just needs stuff better. <laughs> it just needs more material. And you can always read the second edition material. All right. So what I think, the first one I've got on my list is Crimson Skies. Yes. Crimson Skies, for those who don't know, is a classic diesel punk flight game um, set in an alternate history United States 1920s, 1930s. Um, I believe part of the backstory is that the Spanish flu was substantially worse and combined with like World War One related stuff caused the United States to fracture into a bunch of smaller um countries uh the Instead empire of the flu, state they
1: got they got covid 1918
0: yeah um the empire state is like new york uh i think there's like hollywood something that's or i don't remember there's a bunch of different like small substates.
1: yeah there's like um, there's new york there's la there's the midwest i think seattle has their own Basically yes. it's pretty much like what we think of like as the main like bioregions of North America are kind of their own their own nations.
0: Yeah, we've got Pacifica, the Nation of Hollywood, Arixio, which is sort of Arizona and New Mexico, the Republic of Texas, obviously. Uh, the Confederation of Dixie. Boo. <laughs> uh, the Industrial States of America, which is the most Rust of the Bell. Midwest. Yeah, the Rust Belt area. Empire State, which is New York plus... uh, Not... uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Columbia, which is basically just D.C. and Maryland, or chunks thereof. (laughs) How's that no-fly zone now? Uh, The Atlantic Coalition, which is sort of a chunk of New England. Um, And then a few different other ones. Uh French Louisiana.
1: I'm seeing a possibility um, for the state of Deseret you get uh steampunk Mormons, right? Dieselpunk Mormons at this point.
0: It is Utah, and it is dieselpunk <laughs> Mormons. Yes. Uh there's also Free Colorado.
1: Um Free Colorado, I'll take it.
0: <laughs> sounds great. The Protectorate of the Outer Banks, which handles Virginia and both Carolinas. You know, there, there's a bunch of different zones and stuff the kingdom of hawaii obviously um
1: boo kingdoms but uh hooray for independence
0: hooray for hawaiians getting their country back um yeah so interesting setting a history of both miniatures games and like video games but they haven't done anything in quite a while i think at least 10 years the last game for it was i believe on the original xbox
1: Yep, I have it. It's a solid game. Uh, It's one I want to go back to at some point.
0: Yeah, so bringing it back, creating a new miniatures game for it, uh, perhaps using the flight path system like X-Wing does.
1: Yep, it's a a perfect opportunity.
0: Yeah, and I I, I had a friend who made a fan-based homebrew rule system for it, um, which I still have a link to somewhere, and I... Bought some of the old miniatures for it. So I actually can play a version of Crimson Skies by myself if I wanted, but it's got enough depth, it's got enough lore and interesting things that it would make for a solid tabletop game and even a solid TTRPG if you really wanted to dive into like diesel punk role playing in a patchwork America.
1: Yep. Yep. I so, can, I still have some of the miniatures from the WizKids game. Yep, I that's the one I Don't remember if I have the rules still. Um Oh, there were two there were two different games. There was the flight game and then there was the like on the ground uh game which was basically just a tabletop uh bar fight. And so in addition to the airplane miniatures, you could also get miniatures of the various pilots. And you could simulate bar fights. It was kind of a weird addition, but I was like, okay, it seems thematic at least.
0: Yeah, I've got a bunch of the planes and I don't have the rules, but I, like I said, my friend made a homebrew setting our homebrew rule set for the uh, flight path based RPG or for a flight path based bleh, for a flight path based war game. And so mine have been uh, adjusted to use X-Wing-sized bases and magnetized setups. Nice. Um, So that, theoretically, we could play that, if I can find that rule set again.
1: Um, Yeah, I don't remember much of the original rule set, but I do remember that it had, kind of like in um, Armada, where you have to lay out your rules in advance... Um, they did something similar where you'd have to like lay out your flight path in advance. So you would need to kind of anticipate like where your opponent is going to go.
0: Yeah. All right. So the next one is, uh, Stargate. I mean, the Stargate has had a major motion picture and then 17 combined seasons of TV shows that feature small groups of military people going on various missions and shooting at each other. How is this not a skirmish war game?
1: Um, licensing.
0: It's had three RPGs. Um, How is this not a miniatures war game? I got nothing. Yes, and one of the RPGs is quite recent. Like, uh, based off 5e, even. 2021, I think. So, mm-hmm. the and is officially licensed. So, mm-hmm. like, why we don't have miniatures for, of Stargate teams fighting Jaffa and the various other bad guys in the series, of which there are plenty, enough to easily make a like, full skirmish war game with plenty of people on every side... And some great terrain opportunities with selling a Stargate piece of terrain.
1: Um, Obviously the most expensive piece of terrain.
0: I mean, I think you would... You'd have a starter set that has like five guys for the humans and five Jaffa and like a thing. And then you'd have the big Stargate terrain plus... Stargate plus DHD terrain as your, like, big centerpiece thing that you sell right alongside it, and you'll sell them, You'll just sell them. There's no way that people wouldn't buy that. Um, especially if you have even a halfway decent rule set. Uh, Stargate Skirmish game seems like a no-brainer. Like, slam dunk. And maybe, since uh, it sounds like Amazon is looking to reboot the series, maybe we'll get one in the future. Huzzah. I mean, I, I'm, I can hope. I can hope forever. Um, <laughs> Stargate is one of my favorite TV shows, uh, favorite like old sci-fi, older sci-fi TV shows. So giving it a game would be fun. And will take your word for it. And now we'll go, move from one TV show series to another that has more seasons. So many more seasons,
1: because uh... now we're
0: talking about Pokemon.
1: Yep, that's got a lot of seasons.
0: Pokemon has so many episodes and so many seasons and movies and all this stuff. And no official TTRPG.
1: Nintendo apparently blanked and left just all that money on the table.
0: Yes, there are four or five fan-made TTRPGs, including some that are quite detailed. Uh, you can look those up. Um, I think Pokemon Tabletop is the one that has the most support, including a ludicrously popular Discord server. Um, and also, there's one that's called like Pokemans with a Z. That's mm-hmm. um, sort of a lighter, sillier version. And also, one called Pokathulu.
1: That could be which creepy.
0: Takes Pokemon and adds some Lovecraftian horror. Or at least makes the Lovecraftian horror inherent in Pokemon a little more obvious. Because some of that lore gets a little weird.
1: <laughs> nothing nothing like a uh, balloon Pokemon grabbing your children and, and taking them to the realms beyond death. Yeah. That's a thing that happens in the, in the Pokemon There are a universe.
0: lot of bits of weird lore in the Pokemon universe, but... It's massively popular, it's instantly recognizable, and why it doesn't have an official TTRPG is beyond me. Like, it again, that seems like a no-brain, no-brainer slam dunk. You You make one core book and then you produce setting books for each of the regions that you've made a game in.
1: It doesn't even sound like there would be any big mechanical barriers to it either.
0: I mean, you would want to come up with some good mechanical system for how the Pokemon fight that is easier to run with than just copying the stuff from the games because the games get a little complicated and have lots of numbers. I mean, they kind of already,
1: they already kind of did that once anyway with the card game. So it's like they've done it before. They can do it again.
0: Yeah, you've done it with the card game. You can get the people from the card game to come up with a system that's a little more flexible and a little more thematic and less number crunchy. And yeah, you you could easily make that happen. You even have publishers who are willing to put your stuff out in hard copy form with the card game. So, yeah, it's not like you are running out of places to look for it. Uh, the next one is already a TTRPG. And it's Shadowrun. A bringing classic,
1: it back.
0: It's on like sixth or seventh edition right now it's gotten pretty high and uh things but it doesn't really have a current skirmish war game and i think it could do one because uh cyberpunk with fantasy elements and magic and stuff is pretty cool and fairly recognizable and um again lots of lore lots of opportunities for gangs to fight like basically necromunda style um but in their own setting i I think it would be pretty solid i think it would be solid i think they've got a lot of opportunities and i they've made some miniatures and they're quite cool so you've already got a basis for what you can you know what your design aesthetic is
1: I mean, you, can probably, you could probably already homebrew Necromunda into some kind of Shadowrun type thing underneath the bowels of Seattle.
0: I mean, yes, but the whole point of this is we're talking about games that need uh, like official licensed versions.
1: Uh, calling it the proof of concept.
0: Yes, you could proof of concept one by like slamming together Necromunda with some other skirmish miniatures, war games, uh, probably some indie stuff um might look to something like um oh, what's the one uh zone raiders is probably what i would think of um but also things like uh this is not a test might be a good thing to draw from the there's some good systems out there that you could use to kind of come up with a basis for it
1: mm-hmm.
0: but yeah shadow run why why are you not a game why are you not a skirmish miniatures game? That might draw more people into your setting and lord knows they could use more people talking about Shadowrun.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a thing that I haven't seen in a long time and uh just recently found the old SNES game of Shadowrun.
0: There have been um, a few video games for it. so Yeah, I've got a couple
1: of the other PC games, but I just completely forget that it started out as a TTRPG.
0: I mean, it's still, I think, mostly known as a TTRPG. I have heard that the current rules are not as great as they could be. Boo. But I've heard that about a few editions, so...
1: Publishers be getting lazy.
0: Um, the next one is one that you suggested... Grand oh Theft Auto.
1: Yes, yes. Grand Theft Auto would make an amazing TTRPG. Uh, maybe not so much war game. I think a war game would be pretty bland. Um, I mean, if you want to do that, you can kind of. You've kind of already got the Judge Dread game. If you want to fight the cops, or really any cyberpunk sci-fi. Tabletop RP or tabletop war game, you could do some kind of GTA thing. But since, unless your D&D party has gone like full murder hobo, or you have a particularly uh, unscrupulous group of players, like, criming and underworlding really aren't the main focus of uh, your average tabletop RPG. So I think if you were to do one specifically about being some kind of, uh, you know, street gang, foot soldier, mafia foot soldier, what have you working your way up, hashing out beefs with other gangs or, you know, other mafia groups, I think that would be pretty cool. Um, they would definitely need to hire some good writers to pull it off because uh as far as how the GTA property treats uh, non-white folks, non-male folks, uh, isn't always great. So they would need some good writers to be able to pull it off without the game coming off. Uh, reading very horrendously. That would be my my main issue.
0: Yeah. Um, World of Darkness kind of fits if you just ignore the horror elements you could do d20 modern
1: yeah i guess d20 modern that works too yeah
0: Yeah, but but also there's a lot of specific stuff in gta you know just the like
1: you would need a specific thing for like driving vehicles and vehicle combat i mean it's in the name
0: yeah you'd want some vehicle specific things you'd want i think some stuff to do with just how ludicrously easy it is to do a murder yeah. And, and you would how need... the police and everything is just totally un good is totally terrible at stopping you.
1: You'd need to kind of like tune town it up a bit. Um yeah. which I guess on a on like a similar note, maybe Saints Row would be a better option. A Saints I mean, Row TTRPG would be insane. I it would, would love be more that.
0: fun, certainly.
1: Yeah. I would I, Okay, I re- I reverse I reverse my choice. Instead of going with Grand Theft Auto, I would I would pick a Saints Row TTRPG. I think that one would be more fun, have potentially fewer issues.
0: Yes, I would agree with that. Um,
1: but yeah, uh, be tabletop RPG, do crime.
0: Yes, I uh, that's I'm solid. <laughs> um, next one I've since we've hit modern let's go full like way out there sci-fi at 43 was a sci-fi tabletop war game published by rackham from 2006 to 2010 it's sort of similar to 40k although not modern 40k similar to 40k at the time where you'd have multiple squads and a couple of tanks and no giant doomsday mecha systems or flying super crazy huge vehicles like you do Mm -hmm. in current 40k Mm -hmm. um and with the solid aesthetic so it's closer to more like star wars legion is currently Mm -hmm. um but it had some really interesting factions there was a space un a space sort of quasi-communist group um uplifted monkeys um, monkeys aliens who did use, like, sort of battle mech things, but they were fairly small. Um, I think there was another alien faction, though I don't remember what they had. And the uh, bad guys of the setting who were um, like robots, terrifying almost Lovecraftian robots that consume entire planets.
1: Consume. Um,
0: and if you read into the lore, it turns out those are the actual humans. Oops. Um, Who live uh, uploaded in Dyson spheres and who are, like, seeding worlds and then consuming those worlds for various, for, for, as part of some, like, grand project to stave off the heat death of the universe or something.
1: Well, that escalated quickly.
0: Yeah. The, um... The, oh, and the, like, machine legions that are conquering and consuming entire worlds are being run by, like, a tiny handful of people who are, like, this... Think of it like all the various other factions are fighting this desperate battle against what is basically one unit of small-town cops... For the like, super robot faction, mm-hmm. um, the most of them aren't paying attention to this war that's going on and is consuming entire planets. They're busy doing whatever you do, uploaded in a Dyson sphere.
1: We got bigger. We got bigger shenanigans going on.
0: Yeah, they're they're worried. They're like doing internal stuff, and like one tiny group, essentially of unstoppable robot killing machines, is taking care of every of this little outside conflict. It's kind of hilarious how little effort they're putting into it. Um, so, cool setting, cool lore, cool miniatures. I have the starter set for it. Um, because I wanted to use them for various other things. Uh, various indie RPGs and such. I think it would well be worth bringing back. Um, it has some interesting history where it was originally like an alternate history of World War II game.
1: That's what uh, I had thought it was.
0: Well, the name AT43 kind of makes you think that. Um, but there was some other company that was coming out with another with their own uh, World War Two alternate timeline one. And so they were like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Uh, make it sci-fi.
1: It was probably so they, Dust uh, Dust Tactics was probably the one that they were thinking I
0: think it with. was that they were worried about that or something else. But so they went, oh shit, oh shit, uh, make it sci-fi. And so the, um, the UN type guys were made a little more sci-fi. So were the communists. And I guess they swapped out whatever their Germans were for the, uh, sci-fi mech people, uh, the sci-fi weird robot people. And I suspect the uplifted gorillas are kind of a leftover from that as well. <laughs> <clears throat> Although the uplifted gorillas on like Art Deco hover bikes are pretty dope.
1: Yeah, I like it.
0: They're, they're just cool looking. And again, the whole thing would be great to bring it back, produce some new material, uh maybe create a role playing game set in the universe as well. I feel like it could be a nice competitor to Infinity and Legion and 40k.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um so yeah, bring back AT forty three. You update the rules a bit though. Cause they're a little old. <laughs> um, now let's go from sci-fi to dinosaurs. Dinotopia. If you don't mm. remember Dinotopia, it was a series of books in the nineties that were about a like Island somewhere in the Pacific that was surrounded by a, you know, your standard like lost island surrounded by an impenetrable storm that had dinosaurs you know lost lost world style stuff with dinosaurs except the dinosaurs were intelligent and could talk and had a civilization where humans who had washed up on the island over the millennia had um sort of created a human combined human dinosaur civilization
1: Um, yeah i hadn't even considered that one
0: it it was very cool looking books gorgeous art sort of meandering, exploration-y stories, and why there isn't an official TTRPG for one of the coolest-looking dinosaur settings ever, I don't know. Don't you want to play as a Triceratops?
1: I don't really know if it had, like, enough of, like, a cultural footprint, maybe? I mean, like, I... I don't even it... really remember much of the series as... It had a TV the show. ...the resident dinosaur kid...
0: I mean, it had. Because
1: um, I do, I think I do remember there was, there was TV show and it seemed like it was somewhat recent.
0: Let's see. Uh, or maybe I'm
1: hallucinating.
0: It had a couple of video games. Um, as recent as 2003, a mini series, uh, TV series couple of tv shows um and you know a series of fantasy books um sold more than two million copies won hugo (laughs) awards um more than 20 books like it's uh it's had a decent amount um so yeah.
1: Yeah, I guess especially if you wanted if you wanted an RPG like maybe even like a kind of a simplified one that appealed more towards a younger audience, that would be a, a good one to choose.
0: Yeah. Um Yeah, I, I Yeah. Um it hasn't really had anything come out recently. Um Like, since the early 2000s. Hmm. So, you know.
1: Yeah, bring back dinosaurs.
0: Yeah, bring back Dinotopia. Do do some of that. There are a few dinosaur-themed TTRPGs, um, including a third-party one for 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. It's like a just dinosaur-heavy setting a couple of indie RPGs that are dinosaur-focused, and including one called Clever Girl that's basically just a Jurassic Park RPG. <laughs> nice. Um, it's literally set in a dinosaur theme park that everything goes wrong and you have to do whatever. Um,
1: there's a, Which is why I didn't put a, Jurassic
0: uh... Park on this list. Because that is, while not officially licensed, close enough.
1: <laughs> there is a tabletop game, I think it's called Drowned Earth. Um, yep. Where it's basically... Um. Oh, what's the game I'm thinking of now? One with the the cave people and the robot dinosaurs. It's on the PlayStation.
0: Beast Wars. No. I know what drowned Earth. Oh, um. You you're thinking of Horizon Zero Dawn.
1: Yeah, it's. I got the vibe that it was kind of like Horizon Zero Dawn, except uh, very tropical and having actual dinosaurs instead of robot dinosaurs.
0: Well, I believe the premise of that one is it's like a climate apocalypse. Yep. Um with post-apocalyptic humans and uplifted animals and dinosaurs. Yep. Um so, you know, nothing wrong with that. Uh I it also has some interesting like most of the battles take place in like swamps or like where you've got lots of water plus little chunks of land or houses or whatever. So swimming is a core mechanic, which is very interesting and kind of unusual.
1: Yeah, I don't see that much.
0: Yeah. I mean, it makes sense given the setting, but, you know, it's it's a different thing. It, it also, I don't think, fits Dinotopia, which is kind of more of an exploration and less of a combat thing. Yeah. Um, would love to see some Dinotopia stuff as a TTRPG or even as like a board game where you're, like think Wingspan but with dinosaurs.
1: I'll allow it. I like that yeah. idea. Uh,
0: next let's jump back to science fiction instead of whatever Dinotopia is.
1: Utopian and... fiction. Huh. Utopian like it... fiction.
0: Yeah, it is kind of utopian fiction, especially if you look at Wikipedia and see that it's part of a series on. Utopias. <laughs> uh, let's go for sci-fi and sci-fi that really is... It's Again, it's weird that they don't have a game for this. Gundam.
1: Yeah, Gundam that's, that's a
0: weird one. Ha, Gundam, like Pokemon, has a ludicrous amount of TV shows and anime series and manga and video games made for it. And... It's the progenitor of Gunpla, which which is like Gundam plastic model kits, which are big business. And I own a couple of, although not the fancy ones. I don't actually like the Gundams themselves as models. I like more other things. Um, but, you know, you think a property with so many TV series and model kits would put together a decent combat game to sell said kits and you know get people to fight them either at the scale they are or at a smaller scale but no there is no official rule set for combat and i don't believe there's an official ttrpg either hmm. there are a number of fan-made combat systems of varying qualities and with various real bad websites i, I looked at a few i was not impressed um But there isn't an official Gundam thing, which, again, seems like it's a real waste because given how many model kits they already sell and how many different groups and people and special weapon systems and, you know... Yeah. Why, why is there not a system to fight these with each other?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um... Because, like, I know the, the model kits are popular in Japan, but I really don't know much about the gaming culture in Japan. So maybe, I don't know, maybe they're just not as into the gaming aspect of it.
0: They There isn't a large miniatures wargaming community in Japan. Um, I'll, I'll just say that right off. As far as I know, there just isn't. Um, there is some Warhammer played. Uh, and I think probably some of the other, like, major games... But they don't do a lot of like um, historical miniatures gaming or any of that stuff. Um, Their RPG selection is a little different as well. The most popular RPG in Japan is World of Darkness. not World, is Call of Cthulhu.
1: Oh yeah, I remember you telling me that, and I was like, that is that's out of left field.
0: Yeah, it's uh, well apparently Dungeons and Dragons didn't get translated there. Um, as early as a bunch of other games. So it, it wasn't the first TTRPG to show up in Japan. mm mm-hmm. um, So it has never really had the same level of lockdown on, like, Weird. when people think TTRPG, they think D&D, but in Japan, that hasn't been the case. So while they recognize a lot of the stuff from it, it's not the go-to instantly popular one. Mm-hmm. Call of Cthulhu, not what I would have expected either, but, uh, whatever. <laughs> um, I guess they got to get that Junji Ito stuff in there somehow.
1: Yeah, he would, uh, he would fit well into Call of Cthulhu more so than Dungeons and
0: Dragons. I mean, his stuff basically is a Call of Cthulhu plot. Also true. But yeah, no, Gundam, what, how about a Gundam game? How about you just come out with a good Gundam game? You can, like, look at what Battletech has done, you know, borrow their rules, um, steal stuff from them if you have to, like, adjust it to make your stuff a little more um, kinetic, I would say. Um, Especially because, unlike Battletech, which is all ground based combat, uh Gundam is about 50-50 split between ground-based and space-based combat, where you fly around shooting lasers at each other and missiles. Mm-hmm. Um, and has been since the very beginning. So, you know, you gotta you come up with some rules, come up with something cool for that. I'd like to see it. It's not like they're not making more Gundam series right now. <laughs> There is an actively airing series at the moment. So, you know, it's, it's not like it's something that isn't happening.
1: Yeah, I got, I got no answer for that one.
0: Um, next is one of yours, Dungeon Keeper. Tell me about Dungeon Keeper and why we need a game based off of it.
1: So, um, for those of you who are into, like, older uh, PC games from, like, maybe the, uh, like, late 90s, early 2000s, Dungeon Keeper was a game by Bullfrog Entertainment where you are uh, the big bad evil guy from a, like a D&D or fantasy campaign and you have to build a dungeon and like make it profitable and, you know, set up your... It'll give you like goals of like, you know, spread like this much evil within an area or mine this much gold or whatever. Uh, while at the same time, trying to keep out the heroes of said Dungeons and Dragons game or Warcraft or whatever. Um, So you have to like set up traps, uh, set up enemies in rooms for them to fight while your uh, goblins are busy building away at the dungeon to meet whatever nefarious plan you have. Um, I don't know specifically if TTRPG is the way that I would go with that, but it could make a really good um, asymmetrical board game. Uh, maybe with either like hidden tiles or like uh tile placement and potentially worker placement. Um, I think that would be an, an interesting one because it has a very goofy sense of humor and you can easily put that humor into the, uh, the board game and uh, it's owned by EA now. And the last dungeon keeper game that came out was mobile game trash. Um, So I guess good luck prying the rights out of uh, Bobby Kotick's pocket. Um, But I don't know, maybe make your own Dungeon Keeper knockoff and turn that into a board
0: game. I mean, to be fair, there are two things that I can think of that kind of are Dungeon Mm -hmm. Keeper-esque. The first one was the RPG is an indie RPG called uh, Dungeon Local 001. Where you play as a group of people who have taken over a dungeon and are, you know, trying to do the Dungeon Keeper thing of making it, you know, protected and profitable and whatever. And the other one is Boss Monster, the board game card game.
1: Yeah, it uh, got big Boss Monster vibes.
0: Yeah, Boss Monster is much simpler and is very much just about fighting the heroes that show up. So it doesn't have any sort of mining. It's 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 a much simpler version. So I think there's definitely room for a, like, engine building style game uh, that could be done with multiple goals and you know asymmetric gameplay.
1: Yeah, I think if you, I think engine builder would be a good one because you know you you've got to get your your dungeon up and running uh, to the best of your ability to repel any any potential invaders.
0: All right, so a couple more. Um, next one, let's go back to Cyberpunk. Ghost in the Shell.
1: Yeah.
0: Ghost in the Shell, a quite popular franchise, has had a number of video games, several anime series, a absolute classic anime film, a dog shit live-action film starring, starring Scarlett Johansson.
1: I... Um, uh... I'd I'd be willing to fight you on that answer, but that'd be a different podcast.
0: We can fight about that, and I will win. (laughs) Because that movie is a mess.
1: What if if it's a lovely mess?
0: It's a mess on multiple levels, and we can fight about it after we finish this podcast, or we can do an entire episode talking about Ghost in the Shell. Um, Let me know what you want. And whether we're going to fight about this and fight about all of the issues I have with that movie.
1: Ghost in the Shell episode would be a good one.
0: Yes. Okay, we'll we'll add that to the list. Um, As I am a huge Ghost in the Shell fan, and that movie makes me angry. (laughs) Um So, there is a board game in the works, or possibly more than one, but the most recent information I can find out about it it comes from 2019 and says they have a Kickstarter in the works. Um, And the Kickstarter hasn't launched, so it might be a casualty of the pandemic. Um, Also, the Kickstarter was based on, like, hunting a murderer in a city, so it was not a...
1: kind of a not-so-great Ghost in the Shell-esque plot.
0: I mean, it it ties in with the um, standalone complex anime series fairly closely, actually. Um, but also, you're right, it is not as cool as it could have been. Um, I think it would be a great setting for a TTRPG, because it's a very interesting cyberpunk with heavy... In, uh, Heavy use of like androids and hacking, um, yep, and artificial intelligence. Uh, or it would be a great system to do a skirmish war game in because you know you've got all sorts of combat abilities. You've got terrorist factions. You've got the several government factions. You've got the United States military. Um, who show you can up? Even, a, a you even got of the times. Soviet Union in there. Yeah, a resurgent, soviet union presumably after the ukraine stuff failed so bad they had to go back um <laughs> yeah i've plus plenty of other things there's, there's a bunch of weird history stuff that happens that plays it up um that being said if you want this and you don't actually and you're like angry that ghost in the shell doesn't have it you can kind of play Infinity because uh, they have hacking. They have reasonably sized mech suits and remotes and thermoptic camouflage. And oh, yeah, the Japanese section has um, a couple of people from the. What is it? Ryukin Unit 09? one of whom looks suspiciously like the major and one of whom looks suspiciously like Bato with a big gun (laughs) so um
1: Aleph is also very Ghost in the Shell-esque
0: yeah there's a lot of uh, Ghost in the Shell influence in Infinity if you want something that looks like it and draws from it but isn't actually Ghost in the Shell
1: it's close enough
0: it, it is the close enough option if you like Ghost in the Shell, but, you know, don't require your stuff to literally be Ghost in the Shell. And speaking of Japanese series, why don't you tell us why Metal Gear Solid deserves a TTRPG?
1: Um, I don't know if it would... Uh, maybe it would deserve a TTRPG, but I do think it deserves a board game because it had been scheduled to get a board game, and they kept me waiting on it for almost three years before the game was unceremoniously canceled, um, and I'm still sour about that uh, three years after its cancellation. Uh, but the idea of having one person sneaking around with a bunch of very flamboyant bosses uh, definitely... I can see how they would turn that into a uh, interesting asymmetrical game. Um, kind of like Sniper Elite, but maybe a little bit more interesting. Um, I guess you could also do an RPG based on the Metal Gear universe, because if you've played any Metal Gear games, you know that shit gets weird as fuck really fast. Um
0: Nanomachine, so can,
1: son? nanomachines, mechs, clones, um psychic powers. Psychics, uh, bees. air quotes magic. Um people
0: who just have bees.
1: Yeah, guy guy who has bees living in his body, another guy who is a ghost. Um so you could you could drop it either into, you know, your own your own party of like covert operatives with um animal names or drop it into some other other war and just be like yep we're in vietnam and it's gonna get
0: weird um and sort of delta green with more weirdness and less horror
1: yeah and i would generally like the consensus is that metal gear solid any game is in dire need of an editor but there's there's so much absolutely absurd lore that goes along with Metal Gear that I feel like as source material for a, an RPG campaign that would work in its benefit because it doesn't necessarily need to be logical because you're not trying to follow the series from like uh Phantom pain all the way through till Metal Gear 4 um, and trying to make it all make sense You'd be like nope this is we're uh, we're in southeast asia somewhere doing some secret squirrel stuff and there's a guy with bees have fun
0: and you got to stop a soviet mech
1: yep and and for some reason the soviet union is here uh yeah so you could you could get really weird with it really fast which is kind of how i prefer to game anyway um yeah. and you could and with all those weird abilities you could also have your players with, like, also kind of weird abilities or some kind of signature trick that leads them to, you know, this is why they're part of, like, the Fox unit or whatever you want to call it. You know, they have their their signature move or whatever. Yes. You that was also, a rambling explanation, but yeah.
0: would also be fun to do a reverse version where you are the weird terrorist group of people with crazy powers and basically your players are the mini-bosses. Yeah. And you have I to like do that. a bunch of stuff to set up your scheme and then defend it from a sequence of like secret agents who come to try and stop you.
1: Yeah, that could be cool. No. Yeah. But yeah, Metal Gear is Metal Gear is weird. It's a beautiful disaster and I love it and I'm very sad that Konami holds all the rights to it because they're not going to do shit with it.
0: Yeah. All right, last one on the list. And this is perhaps the most obscure thing that we're going to talk about today. And it's also a personal favorite of mine. Nine Fox Gambit. i uh, never okay, heard of that. The Machineries of Empire trilogy. It's a science fiction book series by Yoon Ha Lee, who is a Korean-American author. Um, it's a super space opera E. And would make for an excellent fleet scale war game, um, as it involves large groups of ships fighting each other, and they use a mixture of what are called invariant weapons and technology—stuff that you know, railguns, missiles, fusion torches, and also cylindrical systems, which are basically magic physics altering weapons that like bend the laws of nature and are based on like the local calendar and the belief systems that can be altered by human consciousness and that only work and that work differently in different zones of space time.
1: Um, The laws of nature are made up. Uh, If we, if we all don't follow the laws of nature, uh, what's the state going to do about it?
0: Well, the state is the one who kind of sets it, but it, it it provides some really weird quasi like science magic stuff that can it it's entirely science because you can calculate it all, mm. but the effects are like magic. Um, an example of one of the te- technologies used in the first book is weapons called threshold winnowers, which uh, are which cause. Things like doors and windows to emit hard radiation.
1: Um,
0: because they are okay. thresholds and therefore you somehow open a space-time gate and emit hard radiation and just murder everyone around. It's an area don't like they use that. it as they use it as like an area denial weapon. Um, but the setting is quite cool. Um, the it's sort of a quasi totalitarian government state and there are a bunch of others around the outside um, and kind of the point of the setting is that some of the, ma- the main characters have are attempting to break the stranglehold of the totalitarian government um, and it, yeah uh, but yeah it there's a lot of good options for like a fleet scale war game that uh w- would be interesting and would be very different from the kind of stuff that is currently available for like space opera fleet combat
1: yeah i feel like there is there is kind of a gap in the the fleet scale combat of miniature war games there's there's a couple out there but nothing that's really like gained a whole lot of traction so i'd i'd be fine with seeing one of those show up
0: Yes. And also, if this sounded interesting at all, uh, you can look up the short story, The Battle of Candle Ark, uh, which is sort of like one of the first things in the setting um, and is quite good. And, if you, and more people need to read the series just in general because it's good and it doesn't get enough recognition. Yes, yeah, son. So, yeah. Those are things that need games. There's a lot of things that need games. Yeah. And uh somebody make them please. So, we also have a segment on this podcast called Board Game Corner where we talk about a board game. Um usually something we've played, but also, you know, something we've heard about and think is interesting. Uh and today I'm going to talk about Patchwork.
1: uh doesn't seem familiar
0: patchwork is a two-player game where you make a where you make quilts cool um think of it as similar to azul but quilts instead of tiles Mm -hmm. um and it is very it is two-player competitive uh you lay out patches in a circle and then you each have like a nine by nine grid board that is your quilt Mm -hmm. um and then you either you use your like stockpile of buttons to purchase patches, and then you can do various things to like put them into your quilt. And you know the the idea is that you want to end the game with the fewest um, open spots on your quilt. Um, yeah, and you get bonuses depending on like how you've like what your quilt looks like at the end and what patterns you've made and stuff like that. Triple Um, patch bonus. Yeah, stuff like that. It is widely regarded as one of the best two-player games out there. Um, I believe for... uh, two-player games... Board Game Geek rates it as the second-best two-player game in total. Interesting. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it, it's quite common. It's available in most game stores. Uh, most friendly local game stores will probably have the um, the game. Uh, it's been around since 2014 and has had a few spin offs. There's like an Americana edition. There's a Christmas, Halloween, Valentine's Day editions. You know, just sort of your basic themed stuff. And, sounds like
1: uh, one that my wife and mother-in-law would play.
0: Yeah, you might look into it. Um so yeah, patchwork. If you need a two-player game and you're not afraid of quilts, it's the game for you.
1: What do you hate being warm? Right now?
0: Yeah, it's like going to be 95 degrees today. It's fucking insane.
1: Yeah, that was that was a, a bad analogy. I spent the I spent yesterday in the attic and it was like 130 degrees up there. Yeah. Don't like being warm.
0: Yeah. So no quilts right now. In any case, that's been our podcast. As always, thank Yay. you for listening. Uh, support your local game store. Join a union. Uh, get fucked Republican people in Florida and Tennessee and Texas. <laughs> uh, Maximum burn shout out. Um, Do the things Ed's about to tell you to do.
1: You can follow me on Instagram at Anna Madness and see all of my shenanigans there. Uh, you can donate to your local, uh, reproductive justice funds, your bail funds, LGBTQIA plus, uh, charities, uh, relocation funds for people in the red states, um, sink Florida into the Gulf, don't talk to the cops, um, Yeah. Go, Knowles. Go, Knowles. Go, Knowles.